Hello and welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill. This is episode 12. Thanks for being here. How's it going, everybody? I'm recording this on a Thursday night. I'm looking at the news section of my notes, and it is completely blank. Apparently nothing happened in the world this week. But I do have a Guinness in my Killian's Irish Red pint glass that I got at a bar somewhere once. I'm not sure if it's illegal to drink Killian's, or rather to drink Guinness out of a Killian's glass, but I'm doing it anyway because Rebel. Well, since I don't really have any actual news to report, let's just jump right into this week's game, which is... Man, I need some sort of a sound cue there or something. Maybe a drum roll or whatever. In the meantime... Just trying to make it up in your own head. This week's game is Pole Position, Atari's 1982 Tate on Namco's game. Now, before we go any further, I need to give you some bad news. You're not going to believe this, so I hope you're sitting down. I hope you're not operating a motor vehicle. I hope you're not performing brain surgery, but you need this information. This game pole position has absolutely nothing to do with how municipalities determine where on the city grid to place telephone poles. What? I know. You're beside yourself. I'm sure I'm going to be watching the news tonight and see story after story about riots in the streets. But it's true. This game does not have anything to do with that. Oh, by the way, note to listeners from the future... I know within a couple years of recording this that land-based telephone lines will be completely extinct like dinosaurs in my personal hope for the future. So, just so you understand, telephone poles were those big tree-looking things that dot the highways and used to carry cables through which those old-timey telephones used to work. Okay, so pole position, not a telephone pole game. Pole position is a car racing game. Let's look at the manual. The first thing I notice about the pole position manual, uh, and this is kind of cool, it's actually written in five different languages. As we'll see later on, Formula One racing, which is the inspiration for this game, is a big deal internationally, which I suppose is why they wrote the manual the way they did. But it's kind of neat. It's laid out, each page is laid out in five columns. Actually, three columns on one page, two columns on the um, opposite page, and each column is a different language. I could, of course, read all five, being multilingual, but I don't want to show off, so I'll stick with the English. Gameplay. Pole position consists of two races, the qualifying lap and the Grand Prix. In both races, you are racing against time and other cars. You earn 10,000 points per lap and 50 bonus points for each car. You pass. A lap is one complete circuit of the course. See figure one. Figure one is just a little map of the race course. Crashes with other cars are not fatal, but they slow you down. Running onto the shoulder of the track also slows you down, but sometimes it is the only way to avoid a crash. That is a good lesson for life, too, kids. Your score, the gear you are in, the race timer, the lap timer, and the speedometer appear at the top of the screen. Qualifying lap. To qualify for a position in the Grand Prix, you must complete the qualifying lap in 73 seconds or less. If you do not qualify, you can continue racing until the race timer counts down to zero, 
then your car stops, a bonus for the number of cars passed is added to your score, and the game ends. And I'm pretty sure you don't get to go home with the girl who holds the checkered flag. I added that part. You have 90 seconds to complete the qualifying lap. If you do qualify, your car is positioned for the Grand Prix, and a bonus for qualifying is added to your score. The faster your lap time, the better your position, and the better your qualifying bonus. Grand Prix. The Grand Prix is four laps long. Get set when you hear the three low warning tones and take off on the high-pitched tone. When you're near the end of a lap, checkered flags flash on and off on in the score counter. If you finish the lap before the race timer counts down to zero, four short tones sound, your car flashes, and extended play time is added to the race timer. Check the race timer at the start of each lap so you will know how much time you have to complete the lap. If the race timer... Oh, sorry, in bold print. Important! If the race timer counts down to zero before you finish a lap, your car stops, a bonus for the number of cars passed is added to your score, and the game ends. And I would add, the checkered flag girl not only doesn't go home with you, she laughs at your shortcomings. After the fourth lap, a bonus of 200 points for each second remaining on the race timer is added to your score. In addition to a passing bonus, sorry, after the fourth lap, a bonus of 200 points for each second remaining on the race timer is added to your score, in addition to a passing bonus. At the end of the race, your total time for the race flashes on the screen, alternating with your final score. Um, the next section is about the game controls. But that's pretty self-evident. You're using the joystick to move the car. The button doesn't really do anything in this game, I don't think. You can start the game with the button, but it doesn't really have any function during the game. To change gears, you're going to move the joystick down to go into high gear, push it up to go into low gear, and left and right to go left and right. That's basically it. And I didn't even read that from the manual. You can just kind of figure that out from playing the game. Which, it seems like, this might be a good time to do. But wait, hold on! Dun, da, da, da. Yeah, I really gotta get some sound cues for that. First, before we play the game, oh, you're gonna love this. It's history time! I thought, as a nice little treat, I would give you a little history lesson about Formula One racing. Because anyone who knows me knows, I am nothing if not a huge Formula One racing nut. Okay, that's a lie. But I do know a little bit about it because Wikipedia. Turns out Grand Prix motor racing goes back as far as 1894 in France, from one, which consisted basically of races from one town to the next through the French countryside. I'm going to guess there was a fair amount of wine drinking, but I could be wrong. Over time, it became a test of speed and endurance, and Grand Prix races started popping up all over the place. The rules were a little loose at first. Lots of people got hurt or killed, and not just the drivers. I'm guessing that's where the wine came in. Grand Prix eventually became formula racing, that is, the kind of racing where the cars are open-wheel uh, single-seaters, and then that became Formula One, where it's still called... the races are still called Grand Prix. In racing, the pole position... again, nothing to do with telephone poles... is the pole... Pos uh, sorry, the pole position is the position at the inside of the front row at the start of a racing event. The car and driver with the best qualifying time in the pre-race trials get the pole position in the race. The driver in the pole position is called the pole sitter, which is not a phrase you want to say ten times fast. Try it and you'll see what I mean. Alright, enough history. Go back in your cage, Wikipedia. It's time to play a game from today that was made 30-odd years ago. After the break, we'll burn some rubber. 
Later I'll be doing donuts out in the parking lot. Mostly custard-filled. Maybe chocolate-filled. Roll the thing. Okay, I got my helmet on, got my driving gloves on, I'm in my spacesuit with the little catheter thing that you can pee into. I know this is an outer space space shuttle game, but it's just more convenient. So, let's win one for the Gipper. Not really a sports guy, so if I mix my sports metaphors, well, too bad. Alright, let's do it. Shift into high gear. Qualifying round is mine. This is a really good looking game. The sounds are realistic-ish. You can see the red mesas off in the distance. Never been to New Mexico, but very reminiscent to what in my head I think New Mexico is. Oops. I wonder if my insurance covers that. In the American Southwest. Uh, looming over the horizon. Keep expecting the Roadrunner to come charging out. Guess I should pay attention if I'm going to make it to Grand Prix. Yes! Eat it, other cars. Can I get off on the shoulder there? Oh well. Oh. Ouch. Just peed a little. Good thing I had my spacesuit. Fake insurance rates are going to go through the roof. And then I'll probably get dinged for the insurance on the roof. Eh. That's podcaster humor. Um, I think I didn't win. Well, back to you in the studio. Alright, so that's pole position. It's a fun game. It actually looks to me, it's actually one of the better looking Atari made games of the ones we've done so far on the show. I've mentioned before that I have a personal preference, at least from what I've seen, uh, for the graphics in the Activision games. This one reminds me a lot of an Activision game. So kudos on the look of the game. The sounds are pretty good. I do actually think it kind of sounds like racing noises. So that's cool. The scenery is nice. I think I mentioned in the audio from the gameplay that it looks to me like the American Southwest. Not that I've ever been there, but I have watched Breaking Bad and lots of Roadrunner cartoons. So I think I know a little bit about the American Southwest. Thank you very much. Unfortunately, the Roadrunner never jumped out. There is a Roadrunner Atari game, and I'm going to have to do that on the show sometime. Anyway, what was I talking about? Oh, if I do have one complaint about this game, it's that it's just a one-player game. You can't play against another person. 
Racing against a computer is fine, but it would be more fun if you could actually race against an opponent. But no more negativity for us. We're not going to worry about that. Our mission on this show is not to worry about the gameplay. Our mission is to analyze the story. And well, to do that, we got our work cut out for us. The manual, basically what I read to you, that is the manual. I didn't read you the part about how you score, but I pretty much read you everything else. And that's about it. The manual is not going to give us any story this time. The game itself, what you heard in the audio, that's pretty much the game. You're racing a car. Not a whole lot to work with there. So how do we analyze this, storytellers? The story warriors? Story cateers? I'll work on that. Okay, let's see. Oh, I know! Eh, no, that's no good. Oh, wait, how about... No... Well, that's our show. Until next time, go play some old games. Oh, all right. I still have some room left on this reel-to-reel tape uh, to record some more shows, so I guess I might as well keep talking. So what story, sort of story can we make out of this? Well, I have pole position up on my TV screen here, and I do kind of notice that the from the back, which is your point of view on the car, it's red, and the car does look a little bit like the Ferrari from Magnum P.I. So maybe you could make up a story where you're Magnum chasing down uh, a bad guy or something through the uh, mean streets of Honolulu or wherever it was he lived, somewhere in Hawaii. But no, I mean, it, you're clearly on a racetrack. You know, there's no... This is the American Southwest. This is not a tropical island that you're looking at. Given that's a racing game, I guess the easy go-to answer would be that you make up a story about Speed Racer zipping around in the Mach 5, winning races and stopping international spies with the help of Racer X. But, again, I mean, this car is the little red Formula 1 car. It's clearly not the Mach 5. Well, that's no good. Wait, what's that? Do you hear that scratching noise? What? What? Now it's a banging noise. Hey, hey, stop it. Who let Wikipedia out of his cage? Damn it! Alright, Wikipedia, what do you want to tell us? It turns out there have been no female official drivers in a Grand Prix since 1992, and there are only a total of five women between the 1950s, when the World Championship for Drivers began, and 1992. No woman has ever won a Grand Prix, though Danica Patrick did win an open-wheeled single-seater IndyCar category race in 2009. Um... So maybe we can make something out of that. If not, then I'm going to spend the next 15 minutes of the show ranking Doctor Who episodes. Hmm. Hmm. How about this? Well, first let's review. To analyze the story, what do we need? We need to know the five elements of a plot, right? You guys who are regular listeners know what these are. Base level, you have the introduction where the exposition, the setup of the story happens. The rising action... Yeah, as an events unfold, things start to happen. That's the rising action leading up to the peak of the story where the big reveal happens or the crime occurs or something like that. The climax of the story is what it's called. Everything that happens after the climax is the falling action as things are kind of winding down, wrapping up. And then you have the resolution, the denouement, the end of the story. Everything is hopefully tied together. And the story concludes. 
five elements of the plot. Introduction, rising action, climax, falling action, resolution, or denouement. So, okay. What's our, what's our setup? What's our introduction, exposition part here? Okay. You are Cassette, a French Formula One race car driver. After your father, Jean Valjean, is wrongly blackballed from Formula One competition in a cheating scandal involving breadcrumbs scattered on the track that cause other cars to crash, you vow revenge by getting in the driver's seat. Your dad tries to join you in the driver's seat until you remind him that Formula One cars only have one seat. And then he laughs and pretends that he knew that all the time. Dad's getting a little old. Humor him. Okay, the rising action. This is where the race starts, right? The flag goes down, cars are off. The other cars are doing everything to stop you from qualifying that they possibly can. Not just so you don't win, but because you might reveal their secrets. Dun dun dun! As the race goes on, winding, winding through the track, the crowd is roaring, cheering on their favorite drivers. Cars zip around hundreds of miles an hour. 200 miles an hour to be exact. Qualifying round is tough. You beat the 90 seconds, though, and you make it to the Grand Prix. But then you crash. More than that, though, the secret of Jean Valjean's enemies is revealed. Get ready. Here's the climax. The other cars are made out of breadcrumbs. What? I know. Look at them. They're yellow. It's so obvious now that you know what you're looking for. They look like loaves of unbaked bread. When you crash, they crumble like a loaf of bread. That's where the breadcrumb came from. It wasn't Jean Valjean at all. Falling action. Things are starting to wind down now. So is the race. you got no time to process this information. You've got a race to win. You're a great driver. You're a proud representative of racing and women. And you cruise easily to victory. Which brings us to the denouement. The bread cars are disqualified because, duh, bread. And you get the trophy. The drivers of the bread cars, it turns out, were disgruntled baiters turned race car drivers. Because it happens. Jean Valjean, though a lover of bread, was a notorious crust cutter, which outraged the baiting industry, and they vowed revenge. Jean Valjean is cleared of all wrongdoing, and allowed to resume racing, except, as we noted, he's getting a little old, and he ends up just kind of driving in circles, like, in the parking lot. So that's the story that I came up with for this, and if you think it's ludicrous, and a ridiculous idea that nobody would ever do, I would point you to any Zack Snyder or Michael Bay film, also every other Atari game ever. Ridiculous stories do get made. And that's our show. But before we go, here's Bill Kendrick from the XEGS podcast to tell you about the Atari party happening in California this summer. I gotta tell you, I've listened to this ad a number of times, and I've looked at the website, and this thing sounds really fun. I wish I could go. Here's some details, and hopefully maybe you can go. Hey, Bill. It's Bill Kendrick from the XCGS Cart by Cart podcast. 
I want to let you and your listeners know that I'm hosting my 8th annual Atari party this summer out here in Davis, California. That's near Sacramento and not far from the San Francisco Bay Area and Silicon Valley. It's free and will undoubtedly have at least one Atari 2600 set up. It's a one-day event on Saturday, July 30th. Visit newbreedsoftware.com slash Atari Party for more info. Thanks. Thanks, Bill, once again. My thanks also to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Take a Chance, Reformat, and Pinball Spring. You can email me at the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. You can find the show on Stitcher and other podcatchers. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and I really, really wish you would. You guys know how iTunes works, right? You give The more reviews we get, the better our rankings, the more our rankings improve, and the more chance that other listeners are going to be able to find the show. And if nothing else, give them an idea what they're in for. You can like the Atari Bytes page on Facebook. You can follow the show on Twitter at Atari Bytes, A-T-A-R-I-B-Y-T-E-S. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Carnival of Glee. And if you like, if you're so inclined, check out the Atari Bytes Patreon page. And if you can kick in a little bit to the show, my thanks to you in advance. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you. Mostly custard filled. Maybe blueberry gaze. Maybe blueberry. Maybe blue. Maybe chocolate filled. Roll the thing. <laughs>